Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you've joined us this morning. Glad you're ready to study the Bible with us. That's what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes, and it's all going to be directed by you. You get to ask the questions. We'll try to find you some answers. Long-time viewers know that's the way we operate. And, uh, we think that's the best way to help people know their Bible is just let you tell us what you'd like to know about the Bible. And then we'll try to find some answers. And we get all kinds of questions. We get questions about a specific verse, uh, what a word means in the Bible, what a doctrine means. Uh, does the Bible really say this somewhere? Uh, and we'll try to find an answer to all those and Generally, we can find you an answer. A few times we'll have to say, well, we don't know, or that's just not in the Bible. But the um, Bible speaks about pretty much everything. So we can find you an answer even to some life questions about things going on in your life, what the Bible has to say about it. Phone number and a website are on the bottom of the screen. Use those any time to get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like us to talk about, and we'll get to it. And when I say we, I mean Steve Tandy, me, and Toby Levering, my partner here. Hi, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and studied up, ready to go. Uh, we've got some good ones today, and we're going to go as fast as we can, but we've got one for our viewers first. And this little trivia question about the Transfiguration, where three of Jesus' apostles met uh, with him on the mount when he was transfigured. And... Peter, Andrew, James, and John were four of the famous apostles. One of them wasn't there. Uh, which one was not at the Transfiguration? So you get a multiple choice question. We'll give you the answer at the end of the program. Peter, Andrew, James, or John? Which one was left out that day? Uh, all right, let's get on to our question. We got a, I guess it's a math question or yep. something first here. I might, might just call it trivia number <laughs> two geology, here. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Uh, viewer wants to know how long is a furlong? It sounds like a beginning of a joke or a song or something. I don't know. Um, no, furlong is a, a unit of measurement. Uh, this term is found only to, to, to my study, only in the King James translation. Uh, the reason you don't usually are probably not familiar with this unit of measurement is because it was uh, an ancient unit of measurement. In fact, I traced it back to uh, a Greek measurement is where it came up with it, and it was actually 606 feet 9 inches. How that came to be, uh, you'll have to do a little more research than I did, but uh, basically about an eighth of a mile or the equivalent of one city block, if you want to think about it that way. So uh, it's the only place you'll find it is in the King James translation. And if you're, uh, if you're using that translation, when you come on there, you'll just have to do some mental math, I think is what has to happen. Uh, most modern translations use miles. Um, in fact, I was looking up one example of this. Uh, 
in Luke 24, 13. It's not on the screen, but it says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Well, the King James says about three score furlongs. Well, okay. So, uh, got to do some calculations there. But yes, <laughs> furlong is about an, uh, an eighth of a mile. Uh, 606 feet, 9 inches, and uh, otherwise, other translation is going to use miles. Okay, we've discussed that for long enough. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, man. So, next question. Oh, man. <laughs> next question. Uh, if God never gives you more than you can handle, why do people take their lives? All right, excellent question. Uh really two questions, so I'm going to deal with it in two parts. I'll handle the first part now, and then later in the program I'll get back to uh, why people take their lives. But I think it's important for us to stress this first one first. Uh, if God will never give you more than you can handle, and that is a famous saying. We tell people that. Uh, people that have lost a loved one, people that are going through difficult times, people that are lost their job, uh, other difficulties, we say, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that feels good to us. It, it maybe makes people feel better. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the Bible gets close, and this is probably where we get the idea, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, you can look that up sometime, 1 Corinthians 10.13, uh, promises that God will never let Christians be tempted more than they can bear. Uh, he will limit Satan. He won't let Satan tempt you more than you can handle, and he'll always provide a way out. So that's a great verse, 1 Corinthians 10.13. But that's about our temptations. It's not about our trials and troubles. It's not about difficulties in life. It's about being tempted to sin. Now, I know difficulties and trials can tempt us to sin, but they're two different things. So when we tell people or believe ourselves that God will never give us more than we can handle, uh, we've gone beyond what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that. And in fact, it does say that sometimes we will get more than we can handle. Uh, God will allow us to suffer uh, more than we can personally handle. And I know that sounds kind of shocking since we've said this saying so many times, God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, Paul himself directly contradicts that old saying. So let's just look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, uh, verse 8. He says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Okay, Paul there says very straightforward, uh, the troubles that we ran into when we were traveling over there were more than we can bear. Uh, we were overly burdened beyond our strength. We couldn't handle it. We thought we were going to die. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? This is so bad, I think I'm going to die. Well, that's what Paul says. This was so bad, we thought we were going to die. Now, that's what Paul says about being beyond what he could handle. But if we read verse 9, 
of that, which we won't put on the screen, but verse 9 says, this happened so that we would rely on God and not ourselves. Okay, so Paul's reasoning was, yes, God allowed us to be suffer more than we could handle, but he showed us that he could handle it. So if we amend our statement just a little bit, it, it is true. God will never give you more than you and he together can handle. Uh, when you get completely beyond yourself, you've got to rely on God and he'll help you through it. He will. Uh, but he will let you have sometimes more than you can handle. Okay. So that's the first part of the question. Uh, you want to know if God will ever give you more than you can handle. Well, that's not true. So and we'll get to the second part of the question about why do people take their lives and talk about suicide uh, and just a few questions here. But let's separate those and uh, come back to that one. So that's the first part of the question. All right, Toby, okay. what's, what you got here? The question is a difficult situation. Uh, my husband passed away, and friends tell me he is looking down and cheering me on. Is there any scriptural support for that idea? Well, not really. I, I understand uh, your well-intentioned friends. They, they, and it's encouraging. It's an encouraging thought, especially as you grow in Christ and you see people that you've loved and have gone on before you, and you think about uh, the idea that they are, you know, they've finished their race and they want you to uh, finish your race. Uh, and I'll say, I, I suppose it's possible. Anything's possible. But I just can't point to a verse specifically because we're not really told that much about what happens in the afterlife and how much interaction there is with those who go on and those who are left here in this world. Um, in fact, the only one is in Luke chapter 16, a story that Jesus tells about a rich man who dies and a poor man named Lazarus who dies. And in that interaction, they die and the rich man, he's in torment, and he wants to go back to warn his brothers. Um, and he says, uh, he says, uh, verse, this is Luke 16, 27, um, uh, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them, lest they come into this place of torment as well. So, in torment, he was aware of where he was, he was in pain, and he had memory of his family. And then uh, Abraham said, but they have Moses and the prophets, let him hear them. And so basically Abraham says to the rich man, I'm sorry, you can't. And, and, and nobody, you know, they've got people there in their world to, to warn them and tell them about this world. And so... Uh, this idea goes, seems to counteract the idea that there's an interaction or that people watching us, looking down on us. Maybe they have memory of us. I, I think that's there's some basis for that there. But whether they're looking down on us and cheering us on, uh, there's not any scriptural support for that. Um, the idea kind of comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And let's look at it on the screen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, and this <clears throat> kind of idea of being surrounded or running a race and surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, so we're thinking of clouds and people in heaven maybe looking down on us. 
but if you look at it in context, what he's actually talking about, the cloud of witnesses, are all these heroes of faith he's just described in Hebrews chapter 11. So there's not a scriptural support for the idea. It's certainly encouraging, and if it is happening, that's wonderful. Uh, but I just can't point to a verse that shows it. But certainly uh, God wants us in heaven, and those who are, uh, God wants us in eternity with him, and those who are there want us there as well. So hope that helps. Okay, on many religious TV programs, when they say we've got a free offer for you, uh, people get a little bit nervous because they've responded to those free offers before, and they get put on a mailing list, they get started getting letters asking for money, uh, get all kinds of problems from that. That won't happen on this program. We do have a free offer for you, uh, but we never ask you for money, and we never put you on a mailing list. We just offer you a good way to study the Bible. And that's because we want everybody to know their Bible a little better. We've got some tools that uh, we can send to you in the mail. Uh, all we need is your name and address. and You can use the phone number or website to get in touch with us. And we'll send you the first of these lessons about the Old Testament. Then you can go through all the rest of them and uh, get a certificate when you're done that you've graduated. And then go on to some more uh complex courses, I guess, more advanced in some ways or a little more detailed. You can spend a lot of uh, a lot of time studying Know Your Bible study tools and you'll learn a lot about your Bible. We've got some online courses. If you'd rather do it that way, just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and uh, we'll get you started online. you got your phone, your tablet, your PC, whatever. Uh, you can sit down regularly and work through your lessons and Learn the Bible. So phone number, website, tell us which one course you'd like. Uh, give us your information. We'll get it started for you. Like I said at the start, absolutely free. We even pay the postage on the mail courses. So uh, just tell us you'd like to start. We'll get you started. All right, let's deal with the second part of that question. The original question was, if God never gives you more than you can handle, why do people take their lives? Now, we dealt with that first part that God uh, does sometimes allow us to suffer and have more than we can handle. And that is necessary to understand because, see, that's one of the dangers of quoting the Bible when it's not in the Bible. When we say God will never give you more than you can handle, then, well, then it's easy to deal with somebody who takes their life. We say, well, God didn't give them more they can handle, so they should have done better. They shouldn't have taken their life. And we can be real cavalier about it if we want. But understanding that, yes, God will sometimes allow us to have more than we can handle makes it a separate question about why do people take their lives. Now, uh, here's the way I prefer to think about suicide, and I think it's helpful. Uh, Since the number one human motivation is self-preservation. That's the way we're made, is we want to preserve ourselves, keep ourselves alive, all that, whatever it takes. Since that's the number one motivation, then anybody that violates that is not in their right mind in some way. They're not thinking right. Uh, uh, And that's why we don't understand suicide. Uh, I'm guessing that you have never uh, heard of a suicide, some friend or family that you knew, and everybody just sat around and said, well, I, I understand why they did that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
nobody ever says that. We always say, what were they thinking? What could have been wrong? How could it have been that bad? We don't understand. Okay, we don't understand because we're in our right minds. We're, we're self-preservation motivated. So anybody that takes their own life has something wrong with their thinking process. Now, sometimes that's caused by drugs, alcohol. Uh, people commit suicide when they're under the influence of drugs and not thinking well and uh, their life has been destroyed by them. Uh, sometimes it's an illness, a mental illness. Uh, PTS has driven lots of our service people uh, to suicide. Uh, it's an illness in the brain. Uh, and if we think of it that way, it helps us understand uh, if somebody gets a cancerous tumor in their liver and it takes their life, uh, we don't blame them in any way. It wasn't their fault. Well, a service person that gets an illness in their brain from things they've been forced to see and do that humans shouldn't be forced to see and do uh, created an illness in their brain and it takes their life. Uh, it, it's an illness. It's, it's something wrong with our thinking process. Uh, one more that let, just let me mention. I think today the rise of suicides, especially among young people, is due in part because they're not thinking right because we have glorified it. Uh, there, there's some TV show I read about that I can't remember how many ways it was, 13 ways, something like that, yeah. uh, giving 13, 13 reasons maybe is what yeah. it was, 13 reasons that somebody ought to commit suicide. Uh, and we, we glorify it, we talk about it, people get in the, the news because of it. Uh, and young people who have difficulties in their life, uh, being an adolescent, uh, a teenager is tough these days. And when we glorify that, well, here's a cool way out, and you get a lot of attention on social media, uh, it makes things worse. So uh, I think all of those things put together are give us some reason, some understanding. What uh, I want to close with is, is this thought that we don't know why. We don't understand why people take their lives. Sometimes we can kind of see a way, but uh, what we need to bear in mind is that God will take care of it. God is completely just, he's completely merciful, and he's all-knowing. He knows exactly what was going on in that person's mind and life. He understood every circumstance, and he will make the proper decision. And uh, I personally believe if that person was in Christ, uh, that the illness and all the bad things that caused it uh, God understands that completely, and he's a just and merciful God. So uh, as far as why people take their lives, that's the best discussion I can do about it, I think. All right, Toby. Okay, I have a music question. Uh, someone asks, is it sinful to listen to music that isn't, uh, quote, church music? Well, no, it's not. Uh, there is not a verse that even specifies that you, you know, have to listen to certain types of music. 
Um, this is to me kind of a Proverbs 4.23 issue, which is to guard your heart for out of it come the matters of life, for it is the wellspring of life, one translation says. Uh, we got to be careful of the things that we listen to. And that's true music, uh, people that you talk to in conversations with, uh, the news that you read. Uh, you put stuff through your eyes and your ears. Um, you're putting things into your mind, into your heart. Well, whatever goes in your mind and your heart, you can't get out of there easily. And so when you're listening to music of any type, uh, you have to ask, is this helpful in my walk with Christ? Does this uh, guide my thoughts in a better way? Um, does Does it help my Christian walk? And does it help my thought life? Uh, if it doesn't, maybe, you know, time to switch the channel or, or move over to a different Spotify <laughs> playlist or what have you. Um, yeah, but no, it doesn't have to be church music. Now, that being said, if you want the absolute safest kind of music, <laughs> music that's uh, positive and that focuses on the Lord and focuses on His Word and His promises, that's fine. Those are great, but certainly no uh, Bible verse that mandates that we listen to church music. Uh, and keep in mind, too, that church is not a, a place. Church is a people. So uh, the, the idea of being called out is the, the word ecclesia. So is, is the music that you listen to a part of this world and the, its ways, or is it part of uh, being called out? Does it help you uh, want to you know, live in a different and a better way and to live as the Lord wants you to live. That's the kind of music I would encourage you to listen to. It's kind of what I call whatever music. Uh, not whatever music you want, but whatever music in terms of uh, Philippians chapter 4, 8, where the Apostle Paul writes this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So maybe use Philippians 4, 8 as the test for your, your playlist or whatever you're listening to or watching for that matter. I hope that helps you. You just reduced the playlist pretty small if you, <laughs> if you go by Philippians 4, 8. Not much music these days it's <laughs> fits that criteria, which maybe is a good thing to think about. All right, question about child discipline. I've heard spare the rod, spoil the child means to spank children. I also heard it meant to discipline them, which is correct. Well, that's not exactly in the Bible, but uh, the answer is, yeah, both of them. So uh, spanking is a form of discipline, and the Bible does mention spanking or the rod it calls it sometimes, which was probably a small switch most likely. Let's, let's look at a few verses. Proverbs has a lot about it. Proverbs twenty-three thirteen: Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he'll not die. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs twenty-nine fifteen: The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. All right, so read all those together and you get a lot of discipline. You get a few mentions of the rod. You get a mention of reproof. Uh, discipline, disciple, that means teaching, means training. So discipline is just training a child. Now, two things I'll say about the rod or about spanking. 
uh, the rod, spanking, does not mean beating or abusing. Well, nobody says that. Nobody approves of that. Certainly off the church. We don't talk about that. A light switch or a swat on the bottom, uh, the back of the thigh or something that gets a child's attention uh, is not a beating or an abuse. Secondly, different children need different disciplines. Some children respond uh, to just a cross look. They'll just make them do whatever you want. Uh, some, that doesn't bother them a bit, and they need a little <laughs> stronger discipline sometimes. So, yes, the Bible does talk about the rod or about spanking as a form of discipline, uh, but bear in mind, use it properly for each child. Okay, very quickly, let me invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're sponsored by the Churches of Christ. and like to thank a few of them each week. Let me mention a couple today. Uh, Kingman, Kansas and Pratt, Kansas. Both have congregations of the Church of Christ that uh, believe and study about the Bible a lot like we do on this program. So uh, we invite you to thank them for their support. Maybe you know somebody in one of those towns that uh, attends the Church of Christ. Next time you see them, tell them, hey, I heard about you on Know Your Bible. I watch that program and appreciate it. Thanks for keeping it on. Uh, drop into one of those churches or whatever market you're in. You can probably find a Church of Christ close to you. Give them a visit sometime. Toby, what you got left got here? a question about deacons. Uh, must a church have deacons to be scriptural? Uh, my answer is that it's helpful, but it's not required. Uh, you may not have uh, uh, the right men, uh, may not uh, meet the qualities that we are uh, taught about in scriptures. Uh, but if you do, it's helpful. It will make your leadership's job uh, easier, and they'll be fo able to focus on spiritual matters. Now, if, if you're watching, you have no idea of the uh, dynamic of elders and deacons. God uh, established the church, and he put elders to be in charge of the local church, and deacons, diakonos, the original word, uh, simply means a servant. And <clears throat> we have some examples of those. One of the earliest examples is from Acts chapter 6, and uh, it goes this way. Now, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching and the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers... Pick among you seven men, good of, full of good repute, full of the spirit wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. And uh, that uh, is the earliest example we have that uh, was helpful to the apostles. They were able to focus on spiritual matters and keep the church focused on the word and to prayer and uh, and not over overlook uh, the widows that were being overlooked. So it's helpful, but it's not required. I hope that uh, helps you as well. All righty, got time for a trivia question wrap-up here. Let's see if we can get that answered today. The question was, which apostle did not see the transfiguration, Peter, Andrew, James, or John? Which one doesn't belong in this story? And poor old Andrew was the one left out. Uh, Peter, James, and John were the three that uh, Jesus chose to go with him up on the mountain. Uh, he was transfigured. His body was glorified. And uh, Moses and Elijah appeared with him. 
Peter, James, and John were so impressed they wanted to build temples and have monuments and commemorate the day and all of that, but uh, it showed them God's glory through Jesus. Interesting story. Uh, why Andrew didn't get to go, we don't know, but he wasn't there. So <laughs> check that out. Glad you've been with us today, and if you haven't signed up for the correspondence course yet, today would be a good day to do that. Give us a, a phone call or an email and let us get that started for you. Uh, and you can study the Bible with us all week. I'm glad you've been with us today and hope that you have a great week this week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.